<laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, it's awesome. Ooh. It's awesome to have everyone here. We've got both members, um, non-members, and visitors. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Um, it's such a pleasure to see uh, this church almost full with people. We do have several people away. Um, I think there's a youth event happening at the same time today. Um, so we do have some people missing. But uh, yeah, it's so good. I see so many different faces and <laughs> people that I haven't seen before. And especially in this front row, Harriet's, all Harriet's friends. <laughs> Can I ask that without embarrassing you? You're like, yeah, we're Harriet's friends. <laughs> it's lovely to have you guys here. I understand Sandra's got her family here. It's lovely to have you guys here. Uh, Leanne and Zoe has, uh, has relatives and people here to support them. Uh, Milka and, uh, and, and Lois. It's just lovely to have all you guys come and, and, and be here to support uh, your loved ones, um, and we as a Fremantle Church, on behalf of the Fremantle Church, really just want to welcome you guys and make sure that you feel loved and, and appreciated to be here. Um, I'm going to talk to the members for now, but you guys get to be a fly on the wall for that, so... Um, <laughs> um, just a, I just want to report on something that happened last week, and that was uh, something called the Growing Together Summit that some of us were a part of. So um, I know that uh, Annette was there, Rob was there. Um, I'm saying names that our visitors are like, who are these people, who cares? <laughs> but uh, Annette was there, Rob was there, Kaylee was there, uh, Estelle was there. Who, am I missing somebody? Who? Alicia, but she's not here, so. <laughs> Alicia's at the youth event helping run that. Um, so we had a number of us who were there. Uh, I was there. Um, and, and just to let you guys into a little bit of a knowledge about it, we were there for two days, uh, both Saturday and Sunday from, what was the time we had to get up? Some ridiculous hour. <laughs> Kaylee, who lives the furthest away, was like, has to get up at, I don't know, five o'clock or something. <laughs> um, and, and go to the conference office here in WA and, and, and uh, partake in the Growing Together Summit. So some of you might not be aware is that us as Fremantle Church are a part of something called Growing Together. And it's, I hesitate to call it a program because I think it's more a way of church life or way of church culture. Um, and this has been run across a number of uh, different churches here in WA, but also across Australia, um, with the desire to have a church that intergenerationally, um, that's a huge word, I don't often use big words, but intergenerationally, who knows what that means? <laughs> yeah, from baby age to Death's door age. <laughs> Fossils, yeah, I think that's a better way to say it rather than death's door. Um, and to intergenerationally connect, grow, um, and, and grow especially in our relationship with Jesus and our life together because uh, church is not just uh, a, day, a, a day a week event. Church is a life. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we do every day of our life. And yes, we do come here on a special day to come and fellowship, but yeah, Growing Together has that in mind. Uh, but I won't go into the full details. I just want to share one particular statistic that was quite fascinating and, I, and, and stuck in my mind after it, 
was that um, there is something like 75% or three in four young people, and they say drift, which is just another word for saying they drift away from church or they, they leave church. That's a crazy statistic, right? Like three in four, that's 75% drift away from church. And now, I'm not going to go into the factors, but there are a number of factors that contribute to that. But we as Fremantle SDA Church wish to address this issue to the best of our ability. And so we have some really awesome, really enthusiastic people working on envisioning, working on strategizing, working hard to accomplish this. And one of the things that we, we did was meet last weekend for Saturday and Sunday, um, discussing as a team, um, discussing and trying to encourage uh, other church teams in WA and, and trying to come, to, come together and, and work hard for us as Fremantle Church. Um, but growing together cannot be done just by this team. And so I'd like to ask for prayer. We need prayer we need willingness to contribute. We need your vision on what church could be. So please stay tuned for updates on the Growing Together for Fremantle Church. That's it. That's all I had to say. Is that fair enough, Rob? Did I do all right? Thumbs up. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> um, let me pray and uh, I'll get stuck into it. Dear Father in heaven, I just thank you for this time that we could be here this special day a day that you've uh, provided breath for us again as the God of life. And we're here to celebrate a special moment. But Lord, for you, this moment is much more impactful, much more important. And so Lord, we come here to fellowship with each other and support each other and celebrate with each other. But Lord, we also come here to celebrate with you. And Lord, as we're here today, we just pray that your Holy Spirit touches our hearts in a significant way. That Lord, we get to learn more about who you are as God and what that means to us here today. So Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be with each of us here, but also especially with me. That you remove any distractions that I might be and just present yourself because you are an awesome and a fantastic God. So Lord, I pray all this in your wonderful, beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. I've got a slideshow. Beloved child. I want to talk about an application today and who has heard of an application? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can test you guys. It's always scary. When I, what's that represent? Who's it? What? So that, that's an application called Twitter. Who knows what Twitter does? It blocks you. It what? It blocks you. It blocks you. <laughs> it lets you essentially just tweet things, right? They call it tweeting. I'll just tweet. Like, I'll just... I'm at church today. <laughs> cool. Like, I can just type it in and, and just share it with whoever's following me. I might, I might have, like, only three followers, but that's... I can share it with them. And people tweet around the world, they tweet their opinions and the, and the content, it's just crazy. Like there's all matter of content on Twitter. Who, like, who comes to mind when you think of Twitter? Trump. Trump. <laughs> Trump. It's, it's, it's pretty quick, like you're like, yep, Trump, he tweets a lot, doesn't he? 
But I don't want to talk about Trump. I want to talk about there's another pastor, another guy in America, not Trump, another guy in America. His name is Trey, Trey Ferguson. And he's quite active on Twitter. And, and, and particularly, uh, he was quite active in the month of October, and I'll show you why in a moment, because he did something quite interesting, something funny. In fact, I found it funny. You might not find it funny, but I found it funny. He asked people to send pictures in of themselves to him, and he would tell them what he believed their profession was. And it's all right, I've got some screenshots for you today. So I'll show you a number of photos to you. Here, Elizabeth, I don't know if you can see that or read that, but if you can't read it, I'll read it for you. So here is a lady by the name of Elizabeth, and she, write, she sends a picture into Trey, and he says, you're a historian that specializes in colonial New Hampshire. Nobody is buying these books, though. <laughs> so you also ghostwrite papers for grad students. And that was it. He just describes her profession just on the way she looks. Here's another one. Uh, he says, you're the headmistress at a private school for gifted black students. They roast, each they roast each other and you and the faculty all day, but you refuse to stifle their creativity off general principle. And so he's just describing various people. You, for this particular person, he says, you run a daycare that specialises in hyperactive kids. You're beyond, you're beyond ready for a career change. But the money is too good. <laughs> so he's, he's now delving into motivation at why they stay in these particular uh, professions. This particular person, he says, you're an, uh, an admissions counsellor for an unaccredited online university. But you only recruit rich kids so you don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, for this particular person, he says, you're an aspiring video game designer who keeps coming up with stuff that already exists. <laughs> like that video game about the really fast blue rodent who collects rings and fights robots. <laughs> who knows who he's talking about? There was a movie that came out recently, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> so for now, you work at T-Mobile. <laughs> Which I assume is just like a Telstra thing over in America. <laughs> This particular person, he says, you're a uh, prosecutor sorry, who reduces sentences if defendants let you redecorate their living room so you can build a portfolio for your side gig. <laughs> uh, I, I find them funny. You might not find them funny. <laughs> this, this, this one was one of my favourites. It says, you teach English 101 but have a terrible score for Rate My, Profess Rate My Professor. So Rate My Professor is a website that students go on and they have a, a profile for you and they rate you and they go, oh, they suck or they're good. Okay? And so he's going, you, you have a terrible score on Rate My Professor because you take points off when students use the Oxford comma. Okay? Who knows what the Oxford comma is? Of course, Carolyn does. You're an English teacher. <laughs> Oxford comma is like when you list things and then you put a comma before the and the last thing. And he goes, tyranny, <laughs> because she takes points off for it. This particular person, he says, you manage uh, an Applebee's where you ask tables if everything is going all right way too frequently. And the diners take it out on, the, on, on your wait staff by leaving crummy tips, and you don't care because you're salarized. <laughs> uh, here's another one. 
you steal tractors and sell them back to your neighbours. Shame on you. <laughs> Possibly because he's got the, he's got the Wild West uh, bandana. <laughs> um, this particular person, he says, you own a pro shop at a bowling alley where you charge $80 an hour for lessons. He goes, your prices are, are high to discourage people from buying lessons because you don't actually know how to bowl. <laughs> So he's like, I don't want anyone to take lessons, so I'll, I'll put the price up really high. Um, this particular person, he says, you're the treasurer for the Teamsters Union. At least that's what you keep telling people, but you, you haven't fooled anyone, Special Agent Harding. <laughs> so insinuating that he's, uh, he's some kind of a spy. Um, I think this is the last one I got. Um, you host a Dr. Phil-esque talk show on the Community Access Channel to build the clientele for your private marriage and family therapy practice where, you, where passive, aggressive spouses and parents bring their family members for you to give them this disproving look. That was my favourite part. So you could like just have people come in and you would just look at them that way. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, I just wanted to share something with you <laughs> that I found quite humorous. There is a point to it, though. <laughs> As I was, like, uh, looking through, and there's, there's a huge number of these on, on his Twitter. Firstly, I wondered what he would say my profession is if I sent in my picture. But secondly, it let me think about the dynamics of humanity, or more precisely, how we perceive each other. How do you perceive me? How do I perceive you? How do others perceive you? I believe we all do it, right? We all have an image in our heads, and I'm going to talk to you as a person. We all have an image of our, in our heads, right, of how we believe people perceive us. In fact, I believe we devote a solid portion of our lives to cultivate to adjust and work how people see us. And I think I mentioned it before, and please don't take offence at this statement, because I'm right there with you, I'm included in this statement, I believe we're all narcissistic to some degree. We all want people to see us as this wonderful this successful, intelligent, influential, etc., the list goes on, which often means we hide some of the downsides, some of the mistakes, some of our secrets, or what do we like to call them? The skeletons in our closet. And I think we each have varying degrees of success or failure in hiding these things that we wish to hide from those around us. But I put it to you that none of us are perfect. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves and take a moment to look internally, we can all easily and vividly see how we're wounded, how we're damaged, how we're broken, how we constantly miss the mark. The Bible tells us, in fact, in, in, in Psalms 139, that God knows everything there is to know about you and I. And that, that by itself is crazy to think about. God knows that time I stole whatever it was. God knows that time I abused whoever it was. God knows that time I, that time I, that time I did that. 
God knows that time I thought about doing it. Yes, God knows. God knows you and I inside and out. But here is the fascinating thing about God. He sees what you are, but he also sees what you could be. Said another way, he sees the potential in you. He sees somebody he dearly loves. He sees somebody that he's striving tirelessly to show you how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he wants the best for you. I want to tell you a little story from the Bible, just briefly. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, before his death, uh, he did this ministry for something like three and a half years before his death and burial and his, his resurrection, he was baptized, baptized into a river called Jordan. And something fascinating happens at his baptism. We get this little insight into Jesus and God the Father's relationship. It simply says this, when, when, when he arises out of the water, when Jesus comes out of the water after being baptized, God the Father says this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We get to see, see this little bit of a type of the relationship that Jesus and the Father have. And if we read further into Scripture, we see the, relation broaden, the relationship broaden and deepen and be never-ending. And I, I, was like, I, was, I was at a crossroads here because I was like, I could just include number after number after number after Bible verses into this, but I want to keep it short. So I'm like, here's four, and then I just write etc. Okay? John 1.1, 1, 1, it just says, the word Jesus was with God. That's just another way of saying, like, when you're with your friend or when you're with somebody that you love, you're with them. You're in a relationship with them. John 1.18 says the only begotten Son, Jesus, talking about Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father. It doesn't, it's not talking about in a, in a sort of a, a logistical sense. It's talking about the closeness of their relationship. He was that close. John chapter 5, verse 20 says the Father loves the Son. John chapter 7, verse 29, Jesus is talking about God, the Father here, and he says, I know him, I know the Father, for I am from him and he sent me. And it continues, and I could be here all day just quoting Bible verses about how Jesus and the Father and their relationship together, all of which just share this deep, substantive quality of relationship of love that they have. And I don't know about you, but for me, there's a desire here. There's a desire and maybe even a little bit of a jealousy here that that's the kind of relationship I want. A relationship that's absolutely just full throttle, complete love for one another. But there's something even more extraordinary here that's going on. Both the Father and Jesus invite each of us into this very type of relationship. As Jesus comes to this amazing act of love at the cross, where he dies on the cross, he's buried and then is resurrected again, he prays an incredible prayer found in John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. He says, 
I do not pray for these alone. He's talking about the disciples here. He's saying, I'm praying for more than just these guys here, but also for those who will believe. Those who will believe in me through their word that they all might be one. He's talking about unity here. And he goes, I pray that they all might be one as you, and he's talking to the Father here, he goes, as you, Father, are in me. And then he says it the other way. He goes, you, Father, are in me and I in you. Talking about their relationship. You're in me, I'm in you. I love you. You love me, I love you. And then he says that they also may be one in us. Here Jesus is praying that a relationship he and the Father have that's already been established, that's already been there for all eternity, he goes, you guys are invited. We get to be a part of that relationship. Jesus is essentially saying, hey Father, you know how our relationship is really awesome, right? You know how I come to you through prayer anytime. You know how you're always with me through your Holy Spirit. You know how, how much that you're looking out for me. You know how much I love you in return, how much I want to serve you. Yeah, you know how we have this really awesome thing going on, Father? Can these guys be a part of it too? In fact, through the next act that I'm going to do, the, burial, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, can that act actually encourage them to be a part of this relationship, God? This brings new meaning to that story of Jesus' baptism. That when we see the Father looking down on Jesus, and Jesus, his Son, coming out of the water, the Father says those words, Here is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He isn't just saying that to Jesus. He's inviting each of us into that kind of a relationship. That when you or I are baptised, when we make that commitment to return love to God and, and, and to the God that loves us, that he looks at each of us and says those exact words. He says, here is my beloved son, Cameron. Here is my beloved son, Mike. Here is my beloved son, Kieran, or Brad, or whoever, whatever your name is. Here is my beloved daughter, Christine. Here is my beloved daughter, Sandra. Here is my beloved daughter, Harriet, or Milka, or whoever, whatever your name is, insert it there. Here is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And we see a God that knows our faults, knows our failures, knows the things that we try to keep hidden, and yet he loves us, chases after us, pursues us, even likes us, and says constantly through his word and through his Holy Spirit, here is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Into the very depths of your heart and mine. Here is my beloved, and fill in your name there, in whom I'm well pleased. And here today we get to celebrate six lovely ladies in whom God is well pleased. Children, daughters of God, who he is well pleased. And I'm going to invite them up to right now, in fact. Um, Harriet, Leanne, Zoe, Lois, 
Milka, Sandra, can you please come to the front? Um, just bear with me because Lois has to head around with the wheelchair. But if you can come up the front, that would be fantastic. And I'll also invite Christine up as well. Sorry. Uh. Over here. So we get to do something really special today with baptising four of these ladies and another two of them doing something called the profession of faith, which I just refer to as a dry baptism. Okay? Um, oh, Sandy, do you want to come over here? Um, and Christine's up here because Christine has been an awesome connector with these lovely ladies. Um, she's been instrumental, and I just want to thank you, Christine, um, for that. Thank yeah. <laughs> but thank you for being, um, being sort of a vessel that God uses to connect people and connect these lovely ladies. And oh, here we have Lois and Leanne navigating the maze that's the stage at the moment. Um, and I'm going to hand it over to um, Christine just for a moment. She's going to share a little bit um, and I'm going to get changed, prepare for baptism. Thank you. 